I'd like to call your attention today to Psalm 103, beginning in verse 1. Psalm 103 and verse 1. The psalmist David would say, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all our iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. In this psalm, David is talking to himself. And he is saying to himself, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. How many in the house today ever talk to yourselves? Now you may not talk out loud to yourself, but you talk to yourself all through the day. I've even caught myself talking out loud to myself. So when you're talking to yourself, be careful and make sure that you're speaking the truth, that you're giving yourself a good self-talk. Now, David is giving himself a good self-talk. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. And the best definition that I could find in Strong's Concordance for that word bless is the word praise. You and I know that we could not bless God materially. If God needed anything, he sure wouldn't ask us for it. After all, he created the heaven and the earth. But there's one thing that God desires from us that we can give him, and that is praise. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless or praise his holy name. And I believe it does bless God for us to praise him. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And the word soul is an interesting word in the Bible because it, it's used in different ways. But for me, the best definition that I've found of the word soul is that it is describing our mind, our ability to think, and our will, which is the ability to make choices, and our feelings, our emotions. And we are to bless the Lord with our mind and with our choices and with our feelings or emotions. We ought to be feeling after the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. You know, beloved, as a man thinketh, so is he. So you and I need to be very careful what we think about all day long. And we have tens of thousands of thoughts going through our heads every day. We make a lot of choices every day. You all chose what you were going to wear to church this morning. Thank God y'all chose to come to church. Y'all chose what you were going to have for breakfast, if you had a breakfast. You've already made a lot of choices today. We make a lot of choices. We have a lot of thoughts going through our minds. And some people think, I just don't have any control over what I think. But you do. And you usually think about uh, things that you have been focusing on. Now, 
We need to be in the Word of God on a daily basis, and we need to be listening to good music. And if you're going to watch TV, try to find something that will stir up your pure mind. That's a challenge, but it can be done. Andy Griffith is a good choice. How many of y'all like Andy Griffith? I like Andy. And you know, I've never watched Andy Griffith, but what I didn't feel better after the show was over. Always had a good message. Very different to what is on TV a lot today. So let's try our best to fill our minds with good things so that we'll have healthy thoughts. Our mind does not belong to the devil. Our mind shouldn't be the devil's trash can. Would you all agree with that? We need to have good thoughts. The Bible teaches us to have the mind of Christ. You and I can have the mind of Christ. Jesus, who was in the form of God and thought it not robbery to be equal with God, made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. Now, Paul had said in that chapter, he said, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You can let it be, or you can hinder it. Did you know that you and I can think like our Savior thought when he was on this earth? How did he think? Well, I want to say this this morning. He didn't complain about anything. Have y'all ever found in Scripture where Jesus ever complained about the weather? <laughs> Have you ever found where he ever complained about the food? Have you ever found where he ever complained about anything? He didn't even complain with the fact that he didn't have a place to lay his head. He said the foxes have holes that he made. He gave them houses, and the birds have nests. But the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. When Jesus came down from glory to become our Savior and bear our guilt and our sins, he became the poorest of the poor, and he didn't have a place to lay his head. But he never complained about it. When he was in Gethsemane, the night... Before he's going to die, he never ushered one complaint. He did say, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass. That was a reasonable request. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. On the cross, when he's hanging there in naked shame, not one complaint came from his sacred lips. And you and I can have the mind of Christ. Y'all want to sign up for it? <laughs> How many of us really want to think like Jesus thought? So David is saying, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul, my mind. I want to bless the Lord. I want to praise the Lord with the mind that God has given us. You know, the human mind is probably the greatest part of the natural creation. Really, it is. When you think about it, when you see these magnificent bridges here in Calabash or you go to California and you see those bridges and I just stand in awe at men who could design and build incredible bridges like the Golden Gate Bridge. But you know how they could do that? Because God gave man a mind capable of doing that. So God ultimately gets the glory, doesn't he? When you see these jet planes that can fly 600 miles an hour, 33,000 feet in the air. I just stand amazed. 
I just enjoy, but I could never design anything like that. But men did it with minds that God gave them. So the mind is an incredible part of the creation. God gave us all a mind. Let's not waste it. Let's bless the Lord, oh my soul. Let's give God all the glory. What do y'all say? Not 50% of it, 70% of it. Just bless the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. And, and let's do it with the choices that we make. You and I have the ability to make good choices. And sadly, we have the ability to make a lot of bad choices. Let's ask God to help us make good choices and pray that his will be done in my life. Ah, that's wonderful. And then bless him with our emotions, with our feelings. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. David is talking to himself. When y'all wake up in the morning, you need to lay there just a minute or two and talk to yourself. <laughs> and don't grumble and complain about how bad your back hurts. <laughs> and it probably does if you're getting on up in years. But just lay there and praise God that you woke up. <laughs> I want to tell you, we ought to just be praising God. Bless the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Not only my soul, but my body and my spirit. All that is within me. Bless his holy name. My body belongs to him. That's what Paul told the brethren in Corinth. Know ye not that you are not your own? You're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are his. And you know what bought you? The precious blood of Jesus. You belong to him. He bought you. He's going to take you to glory someday. So now in these bodies, we ought to just praise the Lord and honor him. David said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And the best definition I could find of the word benefit in Strong's Concordance was acts of kindness. Did you all know that we worship a kind God? He's full of kindness. So David would say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, his kindness to us. And if you have eyes to see, you can see the kindness of God everywhere. I saw in a doctor's office recently this sign that said the seven wonders of the world. And I was interested. It wasn't the seven wonders of the ancient world now. It was the seven wonders of the world. You know what the seven wonders of the world are? The ability to see, the ability to hear, the ability to taste, the ability to smell, the ability to feel, the ability to laugh, and the ability to love. And you know, when I read that, I said, amen. <laughs> Those are seven wonders of the world. You know, when we wake up in the morning, we ought to just take a moment to lay there and say, thank you, Father, I can see. I had a cousin of mine that couldn't see. I saw him at a family reunion, and he was about my age. We were in our 20s, and he had just got a Braille watch, and he was so excited. He didn't have to ask anybody what time it was. He could feel of that watch and tell what time it was. 
And you know, I'd never really thanked God for my vision until that moment. How many of y'all ever just thank God you can see? What about hearing? Isn't it a blessing to be able to hear? To hear the singing, to hear the birds? I tell you, it is one of the wonders of the world that we can hear. And don't tell me that's a product of evolution. That's a product of a divine intelligence that spoke a body into being. And the ability to taste. I love to eat. <laughs> I think a good appetite and good food's one of the wonders of the world. And I always overdo it when I come to Calabash. <laughs> I've had to let my belt out one notch. <laughs> but being able to taste, that's what, a lot of people lost their sense of taste and smell during COVID. And the ability to feel the warmth of your loved ones. I tell you, beloved, and the ability to laugh. How many of y'all enjoy laughing? Nelda and I are very blessed to have two of our granddaughters with us. They're young, and I'm telling you, they have laughed the whole trip. <laughs> and I told Brother Andy last night, it's just good to have young people around. It helps keep us young. I love to hear them laugh, and I like to laugh myself. I want a sense of humor. My mentor, Elder Pat Bird, who lived to be 90, told me, he said, your sense of humor is your survival kit in this world. <laughs> and he said, learn to laugh at yourself. <laughs> and brother, that's when you start growing up, when you can just laugh at yourself and not be so self-conscious. Amen? <laughs> Don't worry about what everybody's thinking about you because I want to tell you, when you get old as I am, you find out they hadn't been thinking about you anyway. <laughs> You know, at 20, the boy was so concerned about what everybody thought about him. At 40, he got to where he didn't care so much. And by the time he got 60, he found out they hadn't been thinking about me anyway. <laughs> so just laugh. Enjoy your life. Don't let the devil pull you down into a pit of despondency. I know we live in a broken world. And there's times when we are to weep and sorrow with those that are weeping. But I want to tell you, life is to be enjoyed. We've got a God in heaven. And I want to tell you, he's a good God. Amen. And you and I ought to just enjoy him on our... I want to enjoy where I am on the way to where I'm going. I don't want to just be miserable down here on this earth. So the psalmist would say... Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his what? His kindnesses to us. Don't forget it. See, the devil wants us to have spiritual amnesia. The devil wants us to forget the blessings of God. Satan doesn't want you to sit around counting your blessings and naming them one by one. The devil doesn't want you to be at church. You know what I firmly believe? I believe when the saints of God are singing in church, it makes the devil sick. I'm serious. I really think he gets upset. I mean, if your heart is here and your mind is here and you're really praising God, Satan doesn't like that. He wants you to be bitter. He wants you to be sad. He wants you to be full of anger and vengeance and wrath. That's Satan's mission. Let's just make him sick. Let's just praise the Lord. Oh, my soul and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And don't forget all his benefits. In Jeremiah chapter 2, the prophet said, My people have committed two evils. Do y'all remember what they were? 
They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. And they've hewn out to themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. God said, you've committed two evils. You've, you've forsaken me. Now, God describes himself as a fountain of living water. Have you ever seen an artesian well? We used to stop at one when we would go to see my grandmother, and it was just always spewing out clean, fresh water, and it was a beautiful thing. God describes himself as a fountain of living water. And Israel forsook him, forgot him, and they went over here and hewn them out cisterns, water tanks that were broken that could hold no water. You know what I'm afraid? I appreciated Brother Mike's prayer this morning for our nation. I fear our nation has forgotten God. I'm convinced of that. I don't want it to happen to us. But our nation, to a great extent, has forgotten God. Let me tell you, beloved, God was in the founding of this nation. I was in Washington, D.C. many years ago at the Capitol building just preaching up there, I mean, in the, in the D.C. area. And I went over to view the Capitol building, and I wanted to speak to our representative, Bo Ginn. So I asked for him, and he came out of the chamber to speak to me. We didn't know each other, but I was voting, so he came out and spoke to me. And he said, did, they, did you take the tour of the Capitol building? I said, I did. He said, did they show you the prayer chamber? I said, no. He said, well, let's go down there. It was during the time that abortion was being debated, and he wanted me to pray for our nation. And we went in that little prayer chamber. If you ever go to the Capitol, I'd encourage you to go to the prayer chamber. And in that small room is a mosaic on the wall of, of George Washington at Valley Forge. It's a moving, moving picture of the father of our nation. And he isn't beating on his chest, bragging and boasting. He's bowing on his knees in the snow beside his horse, praying to God. Because let me tell you, his little ragtag army didn't stand a chance against the mighty British Empire. But he called on a God who was able. How many of y'all do know God was in the founding of this nation? And when our Founding fathers were trying to write a constitution. Now, they were, they were brilliant men. But you know what? They were getting nowhere. They couldn't write a constitution. Every colony wanted to protect its own interest. And they couldn't get together. And finally, Ben Franklin got up. An old man who was not known for his Christianity. But he said, except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. And he said, let's just start praying. And you know what? In a matter of two or three days, there's a book you can get that's called The Miracle of Philadelphia. I'd encourage you to read it. And let me tell you, it was a miracle. And God intervened. And they wrote the Constitution of the United States, which has provided this nation to grow like no nation in the history of the world. And you know where that blessing came from? From God. Let's just bless the Lord, oh my soul. Instead of getting carried away with presidents and congressmen and, and athletes and entertainers and singers and movie stars, let's just get carried away with God. What do y'all say? Bless the Lord, oh my soul. All that is within me, bless 
his holy name. You say, well, Brother Sam, I get what you're saying, but you just don't know all the trouble I've had in my life. It's not as easy as you think living my life. Let me share a story with you all this morning I love to share. Years ago, I was invited to go to Alabama to preach a meeting for Brother Bobby Collins. And Brother Bobby told me during the meeting, he said, Brother Sam, there's an old elder in our church, an old minister that's crippled and not able to get out anymore. He's homebound, but he loves company. Would you be willing to go with me to visit with him? I said, well, of course. So we drove over to Brother Goodman's home. We drove up in the yard. The grass, you know, needed to be cut. There was a ramp there for his wheelchair, and the house could have used a coat of paint. And my heart just went out to this old elder. I felt so sorry for him. And we got in the house, and he was sitting there in a wheelchair, and uh, he greeted us with a smile. And he had a TV trace sitting next to his wheelchair with an open Bible. Not one complaint came from that man's lips. One of his legs had been amputated. He had had a stroke and couldn't use his left side. But he said, brethren, God has been so good to me. He pointed to his wife. He said, see, you see that good woman there? God's blessed me with her. And he said, he's blessed me with one good arm. I can shave myself. <laughs> I can bathe myself. She doesn't have to do all that. I can feed myself. Sitting there in a wheelchair... One amputated leg, paralyzed, and praising God. You think I left there feeling sorry for Brother Goodman? <laughs> that man was blessed. Yeah. See, it's not what's in your pocket that determines your praise. It's what's in your heart. Right. There's a lot of rich people that are miserable. <laughs> They're complaining, murmuring. They want more and 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 more of what they've already got enough of. <laughs> and it's not going to make them happy. Let me tell you, you and I just need to bless the Lord. Praise Him. Adore Him. Rejoice in all of His manifold blessings to us in this life. We need to be very careful that we guard our hearts and keep it with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Our thoughts, our words, our behavior comes out of our heart. Let's keep it with all diligence. You remember in the Bible there were ten men that had leprosy. Leprosy was a dreadful disease. It was worse than cancer, in my opinion. I remember the first time I ever saw a picture of one with leprosy. We had bought a pictorial Bible dictionary by young boys that were young college students trying to make money. And they, we, we bought this pictorial Bible dictionary. And uh, it had a picture of a man with leprosy. His ear was gone. See, when you have leprosy, your body begins to rot, decay. The, the extremities fall off. He didn't have any fingers. His, his ear was gone. His nose was falling off. It was the most horrible thing I had ever seen. Leprosy. And there were ten men in a leper colony that heard that Jesus was coming by. And they cried out for mercy. And God had mercy on them. Told them to go to the priest. And on their way, their bodies were healed. All of a sudden, this decaying flesh probably was just as beautiful as the skin of a newborn baby. 
the miracle of God had healed these men. How many of the lepers came back to give praise, to give thanks? Y'all remember? One came back, and he was a Samaritan, not a Jew. And, and Jesus says, where? This is one of the saddest questions in all of Scripture. Jesus says, where are the nine? I don't want to be among the nine. Do y'all? One of them came back and bowed and praised him. Listen, y'all have been blessed. I've been blessed. I've been healed from something a lot worse than leprosy. See, leprosy can bring you down to a timely death. But the sin that I had in my body would have brought me down to eternal hell. And Jesus healed me from that. On the cross 2,000 years ago, my Savior saved me from that awful disease. And now I'm on my way to an angel's paradise, to the Father's house. I want to be in his house down here, don't y'all? Just praising him, thanking him. This church has been here on this road since 1887. And you know why it was founded? Not to praise men, not to entertain anybody. It was constituted to praise God, to worship God in truth. And you know, God has preserved it all these years. Nelda was sitting last night talking about all the people we miss that were here when we were here living. And, and so many have gone on to glory. And we're happy for them, but we sure miss them. <laughs> A lot of them. Do y'all want this church to keep on? I believe this is one of the Lord's churches. I believe it's a church that gives him the glory for salvation. We're not going to share that with anybody else. Brother Mike, you had me 55 years of age this morning. Thank you. <laughs> Nobody was fooled by that. <laughs> In 1964 when I came here. Now, if I live to be 100 years old, I hope to come back and find this church building full of people. Y'all believe that could happen? I want to tell you about a God in glory that can bring revival. He can bring restoration. He can. If you and I just trust him and praise him and ask him for his help, that can happen. Our nation is not what it should be. But we're concerned about the Lord's house. We want to see it grow and it prosper. Let's be like the one Samaritan that came back and gave thanks and praise to the God of heaven and earth. Amen. Now I want to come over just a moment and uh, I've got my watch. <laughs> Y'all can relax. <laughs> I had a panic moment this morning. I couldn't find my watch. And after what I said last night, I thought, I can't go over there without my watch. <laughs> My granddaughters, you know, it's a blessing to have grandchildren around because they have to keep you humble. <laughs> they pointed out to me last night, Brother Mike, I had two and a half closings. <laughs> I've, had, I've made the statement that uh, preachers, it's an unwritten rule, preachers have at least five closings they can use. <laughs> I only used two and a half last night. They wanted to know if, if that was five closings for the whole weekend. <laughs> Children, I heard about this pastor who had preached a sermon on kindness, how we ought to be kind, got in the car to go home, and somebody pulled out in front of the pastor, and he began to holler at him and scream at him and said, you jerk, you ought to get off the road. 
And his little boy in the back seat said, another kind word from your pastor. <laughs> Children help to keep us humble, don't they? <laughs> keep us kind of in reality. Yeah, let's go over to the latter part of Psalm 103. David would say, as far as the east is from the west, listen to that. So far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Now listen, I'm thankful to God that I can see and hear and smell and taste and feel. I'm thankful to God that I've got a clothes to wear and food to eat. That's all good. But let me tell you, I tell you when I really get happy, when I get to the cross Amen. and I see Jesus hanging up there in naked shame after having been scourged beyond comprehension. And all of my transgressions were laid on him, and he bore it all and paid the sin debt in full. Amen. And you know what he did with our sins? He separated them from us as far as the north is from the south. No. No. A preacher friend of mine said he was at a car wash one time, and washing his car, and there was a globe across the street for advertising, big old globe, and he said he got to thinking about that text here in Psalm 103. He separated our transgressions as far as the east is from the west. And he got to noticing that globe. Why did God say he separated our sins as far as the east is from the west? Because, see, east never overtakes west. West never overtakes. They don't meet. If you start at the North Pole and go south and you keep going, you'll be going north. But you start going east in a jet plane for a thousand years, you'll still be going east. You'll never be going west, right? They don't meet. Well, God took our sins and separated them from us as far as the east is the west. In other words, you and I won't ever run into our sins in eternity. They're gone. They're gone. And that's what David says in this psalm. Don't y'all think we ought to praise the Lord? Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. He pities us. I've heard people, I don't want your pity. Well, I want God's pity. I need his pity. And I'm glad he's pitiful toward us. He says, like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. He knoweth our frame and remembereth that we are dust. That's all we are in these bodies. And you know how long our life is on earth? James said it's but a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then whew. You talk about 1964 when I came here as a teenager. Honestly, in some ways, that was just yesterday. It's amazing, isn't it, how time flies. My wife and I talk a lot about how time is almost meaningless anymore. You could take a can of hairspray and spray it, and a little mist comes out. That's your life and mine, and then it's gone. We're here but a moment compared to eternity. But let me tell you, beloved, God is not going to be finished with us when these bodies die. When the body dies, the inner man just leaves and goes to be with him. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's why when our loved ones die, we don't grieve for them. It's us we grieve for, not for them. 
No, their spirit's already in paradise. And then he closes this psalm by saying, Bless the Lord, all ye his host, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. I hope today in some way I've been able to stir up your pure minds. We don't want spiritual dementia to y'all. I want to be able to remember my God and all his benefits to me. I want to be able to see it spiritually. I went to a funeral last Friday. Yesterday was a week ago. As an old Marine, I've known him for many years. He was 89 and a half. He'd tell you. He'd throw that half in there. I'm 89 and a half, Brother Sam. (laughs) Went to church Sunday morning. His pastor, Elder Stephen Dyer, preached on this text, but we see Jesus. And he leaned over to his cousin and said, I see Jesus. He saw Jesus in the sermon. I hope you all have been able to see him today. He saw him in his creating power. He saw him in his redeeming love. That night he went home. And he was standing at the sink, and something happened. He fell back, hit his head, and his son, who lived with him, rushed him to the ER. They they air-flighted him to Macon, and his son-in-law, who is a neurosurgeon, was called in, and they examined him. At noon, they just unplugged everything, no brain waves. And at the funeral, his pastor told this story, and he said, now he does see Jesus face to face. I'll close with this statement. I heard this recently. You know John Newton who wrote the song Amazing Grace? That's my story. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. He was a slave trader. He bought and sold slaves on the slave market. He was a wicked man. It was said that his profanity in the taverns of London would make the harlots blush. Who's going to change a man like that? No preacher. But God did. God changed that man, humbled him, and made him to be a great hymn writer, like amazing grace. And when Newton was an old man, he lost his vision, practically lost his vision. But he said this. He said, there's still two things I can clearly see. I'm a great sinner, and Jesus is a great Savior. I told our church at home recently, And I want my granddaughter to write me a little, paint me a little card that says, He died for me. And I want to put it where I sit. He died for me. He died for me. I just tell you, I can't take it in, but I believe it. 